0: Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him? And that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation shall reach to the end of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mike. Amen. You may be seated. There is, uh, this is a sermon that should come with some semblance of a warning. Uh, If you are tired and stressed, at least a portion of this sermon is going to feel like I'm adding to your to-do list. But all I'm adding is the reclamation of all the earth, so it's not that it's that big a deal. (laughs) Yesterday, uh, several of us, we think somewhere between 40 and 50 of us, went to see the movie Just Mercy. And if you haven't yet seen Just Mercy, you, you need to see it. As your pastor, I, I, it caused me to kind of think through what it is that I'm doing as your pastor. And as your pastor, I, w- I would say this. I, I think what I'm trying to do is make sure that on a regular basis... I am saying the things and we are doing the things that keep you anchored. Anchored, intentional word there. Anchored in the love and grace of God. I I want you to understand that love and grace, that unmerited favor is constant and reliable and God's mind about you is made up and all of that, right? So I want you to be sufficiently comforted, buoyed, helped, nurtured, nourished, all of those things and I think it's also my job to make sure that you are outraged just enough. Outraged. Anywhere you and I see that the world is not in fact organized according to the love and grace of God. Be very careful that you don't underestimate the animating, organizing power of the grace of God which should and can have a say in every every single corner of creation. So the same love that should nurture and encourage us should also outrage us. I don't want to leave you, though, with outrage. I think we have to get involved. I think we have to do some things. That's where this prayer of St. Francis is so important to us. Now, last week I read it for you and then we uh, prayed it, and I asked you to have in mind someone that God might call you to, someone for whom you might be the embodiment of this prayer of St. Francis. Now, I want you to think about that same person, but we're not going to limit our thinking and our imagination to that one person. We're We're gonna examine the possibility that God has in mind, that God would use people just like us, in fact, us, all of us and each of us to embody and enact the gospel so that people, not just us, might be rightly nourished and helped and nurtured and so that people just like us might be rightly outraged, annoyed, bothered. You may have noticed last week that Dr. Rieger played um, Eternal Life, which is the name of the song that works through the lyrics of this same prayer. And I've asked him to do it again, only this time I I want you to pray throughout and have in mind that person or those people, that circumstance that God is calling you to so that you can put some skin and flesh on the prayer of St. Francis. And so as Dr. Rieger plays, let's all the rest of us pray. Okay, Dr. Rieger. So you saw that we are still using that image, the image of the magi coming to see the Christ child, and I had across the bottom of that image this word evangelism, and I know that that word is a challenge for so many of us who have experienced efforts in evangelism but experienced them negatively. Whether it was sort of uh, aimed at us or aimed at someone around us, maybe you too have a bad taste in your mouth where that terminology is concerned. I do hope during this season of epiphany to redeem that term for us, but maybe there's another word that we could use in the process of redeeming that term, and maybe that term is restoration. Restoration. And, and by that, I mean wide, creation-wide. <laughs> I do have in mind... And I have it in mind because of the story, the implications of the story of the three magi, who, by the way, came from other world areas and from other faith systems because God has that kind of reach in all God's people said. Amen. Yeah. Other world regions and other faith systems, and they come to see this one that they understand to be a person of great authority and impact and power. And the implication, not so subtle in that story, is that yes, the gospel, the people of God, God, has in mind a creation-wide restoration, a world-wide effort. And I've also said this to you, you and I, we are the embodiment of that effort, of that calling. God has always wanted to be embodied. There was a time when that body was understood as the people of Israel. There was another time when that embodiment was known as Jesus the Christ. And now, the body of Christ meets at 4400 Northwest Expressway and other places, I'm told, but I know here. (laughs) We are to be the embodiment of the heartbeat, the character, the calling, the mission, the mission of God. We, we are to be evangelists. But if that word is a challenge for you, how about this? We are to be the people busy Restoring, redeeming, helping. Yes, the person in the cubicle next to you. Yes, your next door neighbor, that one, the one who drives you nuts. Yes, the family member. Yes, the one who irritates you. Yes, your opposite. Yes, your enemy. And yes, racism. And yes, a broken criminal justice system. Yes. And yes, poverty. And yes, a movement against violence in all of its forms. Yes, yes, yes. If it is the mission of God, then it is the responsibility of these folks I love so much and my own responsibility as well. Pretty good, two amens, the BS is here, more than that would be good. (laughs) And I've said this to you, maybe we have, not that we're ever going to make it simple, but maybe we overcomplicate it at times, and so I've brought to your attention a book. Again, this book is a a Barnes and Noble book of the year, 2019. It's called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. It's written by a British man by the name of Charlie Mackesy. And I said this to you last week, the entirety of this book can be summed up like, I'm about to give you the entire plot. They're walking around together, that's it. They are walking around together, they are talking as they walk, they are experiencing life together, they are asking one another important questions and not so important questions. For example, like here's one, do you have a favorite saying, asked the boy. Yes, says the mole. Well, what is it, asked the boy. The mole says, if at first you don't succeed, have some cake. (laughs) The boy asks, I see. Well, does it work? Every time, says the mole. (laughs) And then there's this one. They're all together. Who do you think are the strongest, asks the boy. The horse says, the soft-hearted and the honest. The mole adds in, it's also the ones who can resist cake. Now here's one uh, I I really like, and it's there. Oh shoot, go back, Shane. What is everyone doing, asked the boy. Everyone, (laughs) just trying to get home, said the horse. What is everyone doing? What is everyone doing? And now I mean the person that God brought to your mind because I know some of you said this to me, somebody came to your mind. A name or a face. Someone that God perhaps is calling you to. Well, what is he doing? What is, what is she doing? Maybe you feel the same burn that I feel, and you're called to, to tackle some of these big issues. Well, what are those other people doing out there? Those people that I will inevitably somehow be working against, what are they doing? Well, I think, to be fair, everybody is just trying to get home. Everybody's just trying to get home, which is an interesting concept given one of the major sub-themes of Scripture. In fact, I think one of the ways to describe the ongoing plot line of Scripture would be this. You have home think maybe Garden of Eden. And then, for one reason or another, people are leaving home. Perhaps they're banished. Perhaps they walk away from home, wander away from home. Perhaps it's not their own decision, and they're exiled. But scripture can pretty well be summed up in these sorts of themes. There's home, there's leaving home, and then there's returning home. Home, leaving home, Returning home. I just mentioned the exile. I know when Jason teaches his class, let this be another, I probably ought to have you start to do these parts for my sermon, but I'm not. uh, Let this be another ad, I guess, for Jason's, for Jason's class on Wednesday nights that helps you to know how to read the Bible. It helps you to know that there is, there is a plot line in there to help you to know that you can read it poorly and minimize and even mute its effect in your life, or you can read it well and amplify its effect in your life. But you have to understand the narrative scope of it so that you can find your place in it. One of the major, major sections of the story is a very dark chapter called Exile. There are two different major times when the people of God wandered away from the care of God and into oncoming traffic one time in the form of the Assyrian Empire, another time in the form of the Babylonian Empire. Both were very, very, dark, time, very dark, dark times. And so much of Scripture has to do with either exile or the return from exile. The passage of Scripture we have before us today, the servant, who is still a little bit hard to define and yet not so hard to understand what it is that the servant is called to do, the servant understands that he or she or they are supposed to help gather back the people of God who have been strewn about the earth in the exile. Take a look at this. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. And he said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. Okay, God has said us, because God always wants to have a body. God has always wanted to be embodied. Here is another sense in which this God is embodied, and there is this person that God has called and said, yep, I'm going to work in and through you, and perhaps even you all, to restore people back home, to bring them home. Now, sometimes we don't feel up to the task. And in fact, that's what is said here. Verse four, but I said, Lord, have you watched TV recently? Lord, are you aware of the interwebs and what plays out on my screen every day? Have you seen the newsfeed? Not just the newsfeed. Do you know what's going on down the block? Down the block from me. I know, I'm supposed to be this light. Do you know what's going on in the life of people around me, the life of the person right next to me, the next cubicle, my neighbor, my family member. I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. But God, you're the one who calls. Surely my cause is with the Lord, and my reward is with my God. What is it that keeps you from saying yes to the call to evangelism? What what is it that keeps you from saying yes to the call to be a restorer, a reconciler? What is it that keeps you from saying yes? Perhaps it is your own self-assessment that keeps you from saying yes. Perhaps you are saying one of the following, maybe even more than one of the following, I'm just super busy. Maybe you're saying I have not done well with this task in the past. Maybe you're saying, I haven't got my own stuff figured out. I don't even have my own beliefs figured out. How can I be used to? Maybe you have given yourself that kind of out. And again, maybe more than one of those apply where you're concerned. I need to remind us, and I'm included in that us, that the call, the call starts with God. The call is answered by people who are not called to the end results, but are called to be faithful. In other words, to translate, you got to show up. God can do the rest. You need not keep score on yourself, except as it has to do with showing up. Now, I've said a lot right there, you need to show up. Is he talking about the church? Uh Uh-huh. But so much more. Show up at work. Where there is darkness, light. If there's darkness at work, and you sense it and see it, and it's just one person in the next cubicle, show up. But if it's broader than that, if it's deeper than that, show up. Be a faithful presence, show up. Now, it may be that you feel like that you are not up to the task The mole says, I am so small. Yes, said the boy, but you make a huge difference. I love this one. The boy says to the horse, sometimes I think you believe in me more than I do, said the boy. You'll catch up, (laughs) says the horse. You'll catch up, says God. To you? You know, God, sometimes, and I promise you, your pastor has had this thought. You know, sometimes, Lord, I think you believe in me more than I believe in me, to which God is faithful to respond, uh huh. <laughs> You'll catch up. You'll catch up. I don't know. I don't know if I have it in me to say what needs to be said. I don't know if I have it in me to be what I need to be. Well, it's not really about you. It's about God. And my suspicion is God can, even in the moment where you feel like you can't. And now the Lord says who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. (laughs) You thought we were just talking about the person in the next cubicle. All right, buckle up, everybody. And now the Lord says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and just restore the survivors of Israel. (laughs) I will give you as a light all of creation, that my salvation might reach to the ends of the earth. Is God calling you to the person in the next cubicle? Absolutely. Is God calling you to that person whose name and face God might have brought to mind? Absolutely and the rest of creation with all of its aches and pains and ills and cracked places. Okay, John, yeah, my Monday just got a lot harder. Um, It's one thing to be on the hook for the person in the next cubicle. It's another thing to be on the hook for racism. It's another thing to be on the hook for a broken criminal justice system. It's another thing It's another thing to try to be a part of all the reform movements that need to be undertaken these days. But you're called to that too. Now I've got some really good news. The same tactics, (laughs) the same strategy, more importantly, the same resources that you have at your disposal, as you navigate into the life of the person in the next cubicle, all of those same resources, all of that same thinking, all of that same theology and strategy, that's the same stuff that you will employ as together, arm in arm, we take aim at racism. Love. And I I said to you at the beginning of this sermon, do not underestimate the power of love. Do not assume that there is a corner of the world that has to be animated or organized by something else. Remember, it's not been that long ago since an elected official looked at me and said, hey, you stay out of the halls of power, you take care of souls, we'll take care of the rest. That guy is wrong and out of office. There is no corner of creation. It cannot be animated and organized by the same love that you are meant to employ with the person in the next cubicle and all God's people. Set. Look at this. Sometimes I feel lost, said the boy. Well, said the mole, we love you. (laughs) And love brings you home. And home isn't always a place, is it? Asked the boy. Here's how my armchair amateur theologian's mind might re-articulate this. The kingdom of heaven isn't always a locatable place, is it? The kingdom of heaven is anywhere and then everywhere where love, as it is articulated, embodied by this God, by the one that we see in the face of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is anywhere where that love is granted the authority to animate and organize. Anywhere that is, it's kingdom of heaven. Everybody's trying to get home. Home isn't always a place. Home is the kingdom of heaven. And you participate as you learn this love and learn to embody this love. So, the closing move of my sermon, and you go ahead and make the switch now, Shane, is the All Church slideshow. Twelve months worth of you, in one form or another, putting some skin and flesh on the mission of God because, as you will see in so many of these different pictures, you have employed the greatest resource that we have to employ as it has to do with this mission and our calling. You have employed in little ways, in big ways, as you have worked with one person, as you have worked with lots of people. What I'm telling you is this, watch and see for yourselves that there is great evidence that love can, in fact, animate and organize the world. Picture evidence that you showed up. And we did everything from have uh, little Sunday school gatherings to neighborhood events to events that we hosted for the city that involved elected leadership, to mission trips in Cactus, Texas, Toronto, Zambia, where we remain involved. Those weren't just one and done. We stay involved. Showed up and employed love in the smallest of ways and the largest of ways. And again, the good news is, good news is, that same love that you will employ for the person right next to you who perhaps might be wearing the exact same thing, and if that's true, please let us know, because we love those kinds of pictures, apparently. The same love that you employ with that person next door is the love that you can employ in the service of the complete destruction of racism. It's that same love that is employed every Sunday when nine congregations worship here together. It's the same love. It's the same thing. So what we've got to do is we've got to get better at that love thing. If it's going to work everywhere, if God's going to work in and through us and use love as the greatest resource we have to offer, then we've got to get better at it and better at it and better at it. So we've got to keep eating, keep drinking. If you're coming, please come to help us set this table. Heavenly Father, as they come, would you bless these elements? And with them, God, would you resource us to be people who love? As we take these elements into our body with your blessing, God, may they help us to better understand the love that is ours. And would you help us, God, to then better embody and employ this love that is theirs? May it never stop with us, but God, may we hear what was said. To the servant in Isaiah 49 that you desire that your reach is for all of creation. And while it includes us and it includes the person next to us, it also intends to include everywhere there is darkness. God, nourish us to be light. Amen. Nourish us to be light you are visiting with us today, let me walk you through what's about to happen. We are about to take communion. Uh, Perhaps you have heard the term Eucharist before. It's all the same thing. The Lord's Supper. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, but then exit your pew to the left, to the left, your left. And then come forward, come forward with your hands cupped as you approach a person holding The bread, that person will eventually snap off a piece and place it into your open cupped hands. That's an important part because it's grace and it can't be gotten any other way. That person who snaps that piece of bread off and places it in your hands will say to you, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread, don't eat it just yet, but dip it into the cup. Someone standing right there will be holding a cup. When you do, that person will say to you, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you, and then take and eat the broken body and the shed blood. This is the means whereby we learn more about the love that is ours and are empowered to make sure that it doesn't just stay with us. And then if you would, find a place to pray. Now, if you come to one of these side padded altars, we will assume that you are coming for a prayer for healing. And we would pray that prayer for any number of aches and pains. Perhaps it is physical, we'll pray that prayer with you. Perhaps it's mental or emotional, spiritual, familial, or otherwise relational. If you have a ache, if you have an ache or a pain, a hurt that needs healing, we will pray that prayer with you and anoint you with oil, symbolic of the clinging presence of the Spirit. If you come to one of these mourners' benches, kneeling benches up front, we won't assume a thing. But at some point, somebody will come by and touch you, back, the neck, the head, the shoulder, to let you know the truth. And the truth is that you are not alone. You are not alone. Or you can just circle right back around and sit at your pew and pray, but I do hope that you'll pray. And if you don't mind, I'd like to give you something to pray if you don't already have something. Would you pray this? God, Empower me to say yes. Grow me, nourish me to say yes. And help me to recognize that that call is to the next person and to everything else. And then God, help me to know that it has more to do with you than it does with me. A couple of things. If you can't come to us, Jason and Augustina will come to you. If you would like to make a special trip, there is a bowl of water here, meant to remind you of the moment of your baptism when you were included in the people of God, the people with a mission, God's mission. If you need to be reminded of your inclusion in the mission, this bowl of cool water is a great place to get that reminder. Last question, you may ask, am I eligible? Am I allowed to come to this table? We celebrate an open table in our tradition, which means this. If you are aware of your need for grace, nothing else matters. Not what you did this morning, not what you did this week. If you are aware of your need for grace, then this is the right place for you to get that grace. Open hands. It was on the ninth that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat of it, including today, remember me. In the same way, later he took the cup. He held it up before them and said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, a new promise. And every time you drink of it, including today, remember me. And now all across the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet, exit your pews to the left, and come forward to receive these gifts of God meant for the people of God, for you and all of creation around you.